Hello, and welcome to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. Here at the Freedom Challenge, we strive to do good by helping enslaved women and children to do more than you ever thought physically possible and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world. We hope you enjoy your time being informed and encouraged with host Tracy Doherty and our amazing guests. So let's get ready and join Tracy for this week's episode. Welcome back to the Freedom Challenge Online Podcast, Season 3, Living Freedom. In our last episode, we had the opportunity to meet Caitlin Crane, the CEO and founder of Just One. And today we continue the discussion of what it means to do justice from the What the Lord Requires Bible Study. We've been looking at Micah 6, 6 through 8. And if you're interested in getting that Bible study, it can be found on Amazon, and the link is in our show notes. And currently, we are moving along with various participants and thought leaders to go through a section of that. So the podcast is elevating and highlighting various um, sections of that. So we continue to do that on Do Justice. And I'm really excited to welcome a new friend. She's a new friend to me and certainly will be for this audience and these listeners. She is the founder of Awaken. This is a nonprofit focusing specifically on justice for those who have been sexually exploited in Nevada. And there is a team in Nevada. Some of you know them. They're called the Sierra Sisters, and they've been heavily engaged with the Freedom Challenge. And they've introduced me to Melissa a few months ago, and I really just knew immediately in having that conversation that our hearts were aligned in the same mission, and the spirit was just present as we talked. So I am thrilled for this new growing relationship and partnership with the Freedom Challenge. And I'm also excited to announce that Awaken and Freedom Challenge are partnering on our regional challenge in Tahoe, which is July 8th. Again, all of that can be found in the show notes. And you'll be able to hear a little bit about that as we discuss do justice. So I am here, drum roll please, to introduce you to Melissa. Welcome to the podcast. And would you talk a little bit about yourself? Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, I agree. I just I love when the Lord connects kind of just those like-minded and the that spirit-filled opportunity just to meet more of the people in his kingdom and, and the work that we're doing here and uh, just see what he wants to do with that. So I'm really excited to be a part of this. I'm really excited that, that we've been connected. Um, so like you said, my name is Melissa Holland. I live here in Reno, Nevada. And um, before that, I was a missionary for a few years in China. And the Lord called me back to America, uh, and I knew He had a, a specific population on His heart for me, and I didn't know what it was or who it was, but I just came here to pursue that and to pursue Him. And then He He put on my heart the the issue of sex trafficking, and this was in 2009. And I just studied it and pursued it, and I thought, okay, this is going to be the thing I do overseas mm. where the problem exists, and that's that's where my knowledge on the issue was in 2009, and so. Then come 2010, I started to study this and I was like, oh, Lord, you hit that missional heart, but the problem's not just there, it's here. And I need to find a way to get involved. And, you know, that's that's kind of the beginning of this journey I've been on with him that's ended up keeping me in America where and in, in Nevada, 
where this this problem is incredibly prevalent and exists and looking for his ways of of restoration and justice in our community. Hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about you, the person, Melissa? Just just give us a few little handles. What do you love? Um, What is fascinating to you? Who are the people in your immediate life that you care about? Just give us a little, give us a little snapshot into, into you. Yeah. So me, I I love my, my dog. I love Layla. Layla's my little terrier. She's almost 13. Um, and then my family's here. We're all in Reno. I'm, I'm really close to with my family. Um, I'm single, no children, but have a really close relationship with, with my family, my community. And honestly, I, I love figuring out more and more of who I am in Christ uh, and just following that and, and trying to get out, out of the bait of what I do being who I am and just seeing me with him in a place of rest uh, and loving people in the process. Mm, that's good. That mm. that just gives us a little picture into your heart, and yeah. you gotta love those 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 little dogs that keep us yes. company. Just actually, just yesterday, I was sitting out on the patio, and I was just reading the gospel, right? And I was so moved by a particular passage. And my mom's dog, she lives on our property, comes over, jumps on my lap and just nuzzles in. It was like this dog knew that my emotions were going and just came and sat in my lap. I was like, ah, is Layla like that? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) I have often said she would never make. So I'm actually a therapist by trade, but I was like, she would never make a therapy dog. She's more like, I don't care how you're feeling. I want you to be here for me. Oh my, she thinks she's a human. It sounds like. She actually does. Yes. (laughs) Well, we just, it shows you, right? Dogs are as diverse as the people because um, this dog was like all about comforting me. So, well, hey, you gave us a little picture into this story of justice behind the start of Awaken, but I I really do want to hear more. You know, what, what propelled you into this work um, and Mm -hmm. this very specific soundbite which is communities united to end human traffic in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, just g- grabbed my heart, pulled me in. So um, take us into that, that whole story. Yeah, this this really is the the culmination of the wiring of, of who God's made me to be. And, and I've always been passionate about justice. Um, you know, before Christ, I was passionate about what I thought justice was and and then with Christ, it became aligned to, to what he believes justice is and, and seeing it through the lens of heaven and eternity. And, you know, on that journey, he just, he gripped my heart, you know, for a season, it was just the law. So I was doing evangelism and then mm. moving back to Nevada, he gripped my heart for the issue around trafficking. And he began to unfold this um, more and more to me. And honestly, it, it was, it's been a passion project and, a, and an extension of my walk with him. So and, and then the community he's brought in to see it happen, because what he showed me was this this plan through Nehemiah, which is, no, it's not one. It's it's everybody has their part of the wall. Yeah. So he I mean, he kept me up for three nights in a row. Do you ever do you ever have those nights where you're like you're not sleeping and you know there's something spiritual mm. about it? And mm-hmm. honestly, God's the only one where you're like it can get away with that and look at it as an act of love because anyone else would just be like, this is rude. Let me yes. sleep. But when it's God, but it took me three nights and I was finally like, what do you want? What what are we doing? I really want to sleep. And he just whispered, I want you to read Nehemiah. Mm. And I did. And this is early on. This is probably 2011 um, when we're just getting started. And 
that's when he showed me this isn't this, there's a strategy to changing communities around this issue. And there's a strategy to, to building the solution here. And everybody gets their part of the wall. And so this is not Awaken doesn't exist to be an outsourced solution so that mm. people in our community can say, oh, that's OK. Awaken's here. So we don't have to do anything about this. And and we want to exist to equip people to be what is their part of the wall around this issue. And the more mm-hmm. he showed me around the issue of, of trafficking, the more he just showed me this really is a kingdom issue. This really is about um, God restoring people and those he loves. And he's always a picture of restoration, which is, you know, justice. One of my favorite, mm-hmm. my, one of my favorite definitions of, of justice is the restoration of every violation of love. Mm. And so this is that picture of a particular type of violation that we're going after to see restored. Um, yes. And little by little, we would we would did prayer nights in the churches and just told people about this. And this, what can I do? And we said, that, I don't know. What do you do? Will you do that? Do what you do already and do it for the women that need it when they need it. And it became a community united. And so that it really that that tagline we have it is just an extension of putting words to what already God was doing in our community. Mm. Being able to, to frame it that way. I, I love how you brought us into the middle of this because so often these visions, you know, people will look at this this thing that already exists and forget that along the way was some very ordinary yeses, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. listening to the Lord in the middle of the night and popping up with attentiveness or not. With an attitude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or not. Um, I tend to just roll over and say, I think you'll be there in the morning. So I'm going to go back. Um, I tried but, that for two nights. He kept me up yeah. the third night and then I was like, oh, this is happening now. Okay. I love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, but just how you brought us into the small steps, the God was already doing something and you already had certain things in your background that were lending toward this particular vision, this seed that was being planted. And um, just, you know, speaking to those that are listening, uh, you know, cueing into those those things that you keep going back to that you care deeply about and not regarding any of those things as small and significant, because so often they multiply when we say yes and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit begins to work, just like you brought us into women started coming, men started coming, mm-hmm. and this vision was born and therefore has been walked out till now, 2023. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good runway. I'll tell of you the work. other thing, if I can just add that yes. everything he showed us that, that changed the trajectory of what kind of leads to that community's peace. Um, and that mindset is we looked around and in 2010, we couldn't find too many organizations that, that were doing this work specifically with, with victims of trafficking and in America, we found a bit overseas, but the work we found, um, we were limited in people willing to, to help us and share. And we thought that was, I don't know, mm-hmm. we just wanted to operate more of the kingdom. Like we don't mm-hmm. own proprietary to rights on how to heal people. We don't have these. Right. No. And so we wanted, we, we knew really quickly, like we're going to do this in a way that's free for everybody to, to find out how to do this work if they want to do it and mm. um, make ourselves available. But one of the things he did, we, what we found were safe houses. And so we thought, okay, this is the thing we got to do because that's, the thing we knew to do. And Mm. he just interrupted that. And he's like, no, no, we're not going to do something just because that's what you're seeing other people do. I want to actually speak to you what I see for this community. And so we knew this was, this was really his. Mm. And he said, he gave me this, this picture of, you know, a safe house is great. It's just not what I'm doing in fullness here. 
And he said, you can take a woman off the streets or in Nevada, you could take her out of a brothel because we have legalized prostitution here. And, and you could bring her into the safe house and she can go through full restoration, but she's going to go right back to the same city that exploited her in the first place. Mm. He said, I don't want one house that's safe. I want a safe city. And that shifted everything for us. That was Mm. also around 2011. And that became this, this mindset of, Oh, we're going after systemic solutions, not a Band-Aid. And, and again, the safe house is a piece of systemic solutions, but the perspective he gave us was, this is bigger than what you think it is. What I'm doing here, just come in for the ride. I will show you each step as you go. And I will begin to, to you know guide our steps into this process of really the restoration he has for our community. Wow. I, I um, all, all that you just said. Yes. And amen. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it smells like heaven. Yeah. It sounds like heaven. And it's overwhelming and, like heaven. You're like, I don't know yeah. what that means. I told him, I was like, yeah. I don't know what that means, but I'm in. Yeah. yeah. And you're still discovering it. Yes. What it, what it looks like when a community, as you're talking about, comes together with God's agenda and heart to make the city safe, yep. which requires a lot of people on the same page with the same heart mm-hmm. and acknowledging and turning toward, which is sometimes the hard work is that sense of people turning toward, mm-hmm. not just standing against. And this Mm -hmm. idea of restoration, it's so beautiful because I think about, you know, the core of any kind of exploitation of vulnerability or, you know, this power over is this God-given place that he's put in us to think, feel, and choose. And Mm -hmm. when that's taken from someone or they believe that they don't have those God-given rights the ramifications mm-hmm. of that are so horrific within that person and within the community. And you're coming through saying, we're not just making a safe house. We want people to be restored back to their significance and dignity mm-hmm. and understand what that is. Yeah. That's a, that's a big, that that's a big vision. It's, it's, it's massive. when you think about mm-hmm. we're like ground zero, giving legal access to prostitution yep. in our state. Yep. And this is the state he's, he's told us, I yes. want this to be safe. It makes sense in the kingdom on earth. Yep. You're going, this, this makes no sense. Like nothing right. good to come out of Nevada. Right. Like right. in this regard and mm. in the kingdom, that is where he is. He just shines. Mm. So Melissa, mm-hmm. I um I think you know, but we there are women currently in the US who have been digging into the Bible study what the Lord requires mm. out of Micah 6. Yeah. You know, the heart behind this is both to for women to have a well-informed why. Yeah. Why are they saying yes to the things that they do and is to really open um what is biblical justice mm. and then we really care deeply about um literacy, Bible literacy, like where do we find these things that you're talking about? Where does it tell us that God is concerned about these particular things and his heart is always aligned to this particular agenda all all the time? So um, these women are meeting weekly and they're studying God's word together. And then it's really culminating in an actual physical challenge where they are having an opportunity to have a well-informed why to raise funds and awareness and then um, to, you know, this, this growth process in them, they can do this, 
they, they can do what's in their hands. So, you know, this conversation that we're having is adding texture to that study. So what does it look like to do justice? Mm. And so you were able to engage with us. Um, specifically, we asked you to weigh in on weeks three and four mm. and what it looks like to do justice. So can you highlight some of the scriptures, something that you... Um, you know, came across that resonated with you in that study? Yeah, it, for me, I love the the puzzle pieces in the Bible. Um, I really love when you, you know, reading something and seeing, oh, this this is referencing this. And and then we go to there and we get to, and, and I'm telling you, the timing of this is certainly God because of the stuff he's been putting on my heart recently that my why is is starting to even um, shift. I had a, I had a why uh, and I'm, I'm also really big on the why I, I talk to my staff about this regularly. We talk about it in our events on, on why we do this, because, you know, without knowing your why the weightiness of this thing and the, the mountain that it can appear, um, can bury someone. And, and so if we're just looking at the issue alone, it, it we're not going to be sustained. We have to look at Jesus to be sustained in the face of opposition. Mm-hmm. And so that why is, is essential for what we do. And so my why for a long time was Isaiah 61, which references the Isaiah 58 piece, you know, the restorers, the rebuilders, um, and just seeing the potential of a restored human being is to then go back and rebuild. And, and what are those ancient ruins that they get to rebuild? And this year, the Lord has actually started to build on that and it touches Mm. the Micah six. And so I was thrilled to see this being that, that part. Mm. Um, so I, I really believe that our time here on earth is, is it is focused on being wedding planners. And, and if we're not planning for the coming of the, the bridegroom, um, what we're doing is futile and doesn't come with us and it doesn't go into eternity. And, and so the work we do is really to prepare the bride for the groom. And in this, it, it's important to know how, what that looks like. What does that mean to be a wedding planner? Um, and so he's just taken me on this sort of deep dive around this. And so mm. looking at Micah 6 on do justice, there's so much. I hope you can hang with me on this if you don't mind. Just give me a little <laughs> yeah. liberty that he is. Go, he is go ahead and rip. Okay. <laughs> the part of last year and into this year, I've been obsessed with Genesis 1. And in it, so go if we go down, I'm going to skip through Micah 6 because we're going we're gonna to build this. But in Micah 6, 8, which we love, right? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Mm. Okay, what is good? And do you know the, the beginning of what is good is already laid out in Genesis 1? And Woo! I went on this, this journey of looking and like, I mean, I started a spreadsheet a few weeks ago on what is good. And because when he creates, he says, he creates some things. And then he's, I didn't ever notice this. He goes, and it was so. And then the thing he created to do did what it was created to do. And he saw it, that it was Mm. good. So there's some things that were so, and there's some things that he saw when activated to do exactly what they're designed to do by the designer. He Mm. saw that it was good. What is good is active and visible to the eyes of God. And only the author determines the, the, the right to be good. The person who says what is good determines what is good. Do you know where good first went into disarray? Eve. Mm. 
She saw something that was good to her for a purpose of food that was not good for. Mm. When we call that which is evil good, it is no longer good. So we need to know who says what is good and who says what is just so. And it is only good when it is being used for the design in which the author and the perfecter created it to be used for. Mm. So this goes into then later on, you've got Israel. I mean, we've got even, it's even referenced in Isaiah six, because this is the other journey he's taken me on mm. is Phineas in numbers. So when we go, we're going to go back up. We're going backwards in Micah six here. So it goes, my people, Micah six, five, my people remember what Balak king of Moab plotted and what Balaam son of Beor answered. Remember this. This is the other, this is, I love this because it's the other journey he's been taking me on. Balaam prophesied he was supposed to, he was hired by the king to curse the Israelites. Balaam Mm. could not. He had to bless them. Three times he blessed them and the king was furious. This king, the Moabites strategically tried to get the Israelites. They were annoyed. They were there. There's a large group of people living in their land while they're wandering, worshiping their God. And the king of, of Moab said, I want to deter them from worshiping their God. I want to infect them. They couldn't do it through a curse because he ended up blessing them. Balaam did. So Balak, he plots this whole thing to get them to be distracted from worshiping Yahweh. And what he did is he used temple prostitution Mm. to lure the eyes and the hearts of the Israelite men to no longer be devoted to Yahweh. Mm. Tactic of the enemy is, is through sexual immorality. The tactic of the enemy is to defy the union of a husband and a wife and get them to be tempted and to do it. They did it religiously. They did it in a spiritual Mm. way through temple prostitution. And then you, and this was, remember what happened. That's what he's telling Mm -hmm. them because Phineas, he sees them They're They're out there. And and the Lord is telling Moses, you got to correct this action. You got to correct what's going on. Later, Phineas comes in and he sees this guy, an Israelite bring this woman into the tent, which is the place of the meeting with God. Mm. And Phineas goes in and and draws a spear through them because you will not defile the temple. God is so serious about what is good. He he blessed Phineas for generations forever. I've never seen anywhere in scripture where somebody's generations are blessed forever from an act of justice. The Mm. zeal, they call it the zeal of Phineas. The zeal of Phineas is so serious that it's later used to describe Paul when Mm -hmm. we see his zeal. Mm. This was a standard of, of God's love for justice. We also see justice and restoration, though, because the Moabites, later we see a redemption story through Ruth. Mm. So it is it is so complex and beautiful. Yeah. But it does mean we need to know God's justice isn't mm-hmm. just punitive. Mm-hmm. It is always to the point of restoration. I mean, then you look at the, I mean, the Moabites, who were they? It came mm-hmm. from Lot's daughters. Yeah. That's where this comes from. <laughs> and so even in the beginning, like this, this six, one stand up. I just get curious about this. This is where I don't know, but I'm curious because there's so much power is packed in the scriptures. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. I, I just smile at that because in the mountains is where Lot's daughters 
had him get drunk and had his children, which ended up being Moab, the Moabites and the Amorites, the Ammonites. This is where he's saying, because where God told Lot and his daughters they could go, they left and they went into the mountains to live. Mm-hmm. Like all of this is, mm-hmm. is just these like hints at there's more to it. And you've yes. got this thread of justice and this culmination of, yes, I am serious about knowing what is good. And I am serious about correcting these unjust actions. And I am serious about the purity of my bride. Mm. So much so that I will redeem and restore all things. Well, what I think I just heard from you, and I just want to say thank you for that, is you just elevated, just sort of the arc of the story. Like, what's the point? What's God actually trying to do? And just pulling out, which is basically what we were talking about is cross-referencing. Where do we see this again, where it actually ties into what is being stated? Mm -hmm. You pulled in Genesis as the definition of what is good, God, the one deciding. You just pulled in how um, sexuality is a core identity Mm -hmm. and how the enemy has come into those places to bring altering of the soul of a human, both male and female. All of these things that you're weaving together are why it is so important to have a deeper take about what God's heart is for this topic. And you really did just answer, you know, how I I even heard you, you speak to the fact that this is kind of an age old problem. Mm -hmm. This passage that you just spoke about in Isaiah 58 early on, Mm -hmm. you know, this was basically looking at the leaders and saying, Hey, You're giving me all of these things that you think to be religious, but what I'm really asking you for is to notice how people are being treated, is to understand and go after what I say is good. And I just want to say to you, you just beautifully wrapped so much texture into do good. I encourage everyone who just heard that, grab a few sound bites and go dig in Mm -hmm. and add to what you've already been discovering in your Bible study. So it's all about discovery. What I appreciate about you is you just modeled to everyone listening how to actually see the same heart of God connected to all of these passages that really keep saying the same mes- rest, the same message, which is the restoration of man, mm-hmm. right? Back to the Father, back to relationship with Yahweh, and then ultimately through Jesus. So yeah. Bravo. And I love the work, masterly done. The way the workbook even talks about having this heart of curiosity around it mm-hmm. and, and being able to do that. And that that really is it, is is reading this and being like, oh, that's a curious thing to say. I wonder if it's mm-hmm. that's anywhere else. And yes. just go on the go on the, the journey of putting the puzzle yeah. pieces together. Yeah, exactly. And you'll find, you know, we just highlighted a few, one particular cross-reference in Isaiah 58. But from that, you kept digging. Wait, where's that? Wait, where's that? Oh, God is the one who defines what is good. Mm -hmm. Oh, when Eve said it was good, there were problems that entered the scene. All of those things why it's important for us to stay grounded in scripture in the in the world that we live today because he is the one that defines what mm-hmm. and sets social justice within biblical justice mm-hmm. that's a greater frame so you thank you for just bringing some of that texture to this um is there anything you want else you want to add about this you you mentioned that Isaiah 58 was something that you have looked at often but um maybe even how awaken has 
you know, bounced off of that cross-reference that we used? And, you know, what are some of the effective ways that you are modeling justice in Awaken? We, you know, Isaiah 58 and 61 are are, are very similar in some parts. And, and this is um, the potential of a restored human being to become a rebuilder. Uh, and watching God do that divine transformation in a person's mm-hmm. life. But the, the things that God will then do with that individual that has been healed. And in, in the work we do, we believe that's the, the women and the girls that we are privileged to walk alongside mm-hmm. and get to know. And when you see the Lord come in and through the Holy Spirit, bring healing and compassion mm-hmm. and just uh, comfort to the, the pain that they have lived through and that they can come through it and not just come through it to, to, get by, but actually to be restored and the calling on a restored life to then become a rebuilder and a restorer, um, is pretty phenomenal that they get to go back into the places of desolation and the ancient ruins and bring life back through that anointing of their healing. It it is really what, what drives us is the potential of a restored human being in Christ. Mm -hmm. And we actually know, um, they'll do far greater for, for the work of justice than, than potentially anyone else mm-hmm. because of that anointing that comes through the mm-hmm. healing of, I have seen the darkness. Mm. I mean, even Jesus, like he beat death, but he still mm-hmm. went into darkness to yeah. show the fullness of restoration and, and the conquering of darkness and mm-hmm. came out better. Right. And so we've seen those that have touched darkness and darkness has tried to overtake when they come into the fullness of identity and restoration, the the power they have and the authority they carry over others in darkness. It's just Mm. phenomenal. You know, even as you're saying that, I can feel just the spirit like taking in his you know, the sweetness of, of saying, don't forget what she's saying. I have a person in my life mm-hmm. who is so enshrouded in darkness, repetitive for many, many years. And, you know, it's easy to just surrender to that. But mm-hmm. as you were speaking, um, what, what lifted up in my heart is the importance of prayer, both for this topic that we're talking about, the injustices of sex trafficking, it's horrifying, but also in these other areas that we see people enslaved. So as I'm thinking about this loved one, um, and I'm remembering words spoken over this person early in, in their life, and I'm, it's like the Holy Spirit saying, don't forget that word I spoke. And it was very similar to what you said, the impact of their life based mm-hmm. on how much this darkness has, um, you know, how much they've been liberated from and saved from and how the light of Christ has come into those places. So even as you speak, I'm pointed back to the importance of praying through and prevailing in these kinds of topics. So I would be interested in knowing because you just you just spoke to that in my own life as I'm sitting here. How important is prayer and the work of doing justice? Oh man, I would, I just came back from a, a Jesus Culture conference and was reminded um, by one of the speakers. I think it was Corey Russell. He had said, uh, "You know the the disciples did not ask Jesus teach us how to preach." And this is at a pastor's conference, so I thought that was beautiful. <laughs> they said, "Teach us how to pray." And that being the question to ask the living Messiah next to you 
signifies how important it must be. It, it must be essential to what we are doing. That prayer is ba- like everything's bathed in prayer to know mm. who it is guiding our steps because there's so much noise and there's so much need. And if the need is what guides us, we will fall short every time. Mm. And it is, I really believe what it, what it, what, what you do to start a movement is what you have to do to sustain a movement. And mm. we see a lot of movements that are birthed out of hate that are birthed mm. out of pain. Mm-hmm. And that means we have to keep, you know, advocating on pain and hate and hurt to keep people interested. And Awaken was birthed out of prayer. We did prayer nights. We did two mm. prayer nights in, in all the different churches in our community um, every month, two prayer mm. nights. We went from church to church to church to pray about what God wanted to do and to seek him. And and he really just laid it out. We repented for the sins that had been committed in our land. We asked for mm-hmm. forgiveness. We asked for direction. And and we watched the Lord bring provision um, out of this and, and, mm-hmm. and vision. Like there's so much in provision. He is mm-hmm. pro-vision. So he will provide provision. So you know he's yes to vision. You know he is vision. And then we go at the pace of his provision for his vision and it's just letting him guide it through prayer. It's absolutely mm. essential. And the work of redemption for like what you said, for the people that that are still stuck in darkness and deceived mm-hmm. by it. Um, Tracy, I'm yeah. 25 years sober. I was one of those people. I uh, mm-hmm. was adamantly uh, opposed to the things of Christ in my, mm-hmm. in my addiction um, mm-hmm. and confused by it. In fact, the, the Sierra Sisters Walk in Tahoe is on my anniversary for sobriety. That's mm. a beautiful kind of meeting of dates there too, but there, it is. there is significant power yeah. um, to prayer. Yeah. It is communion and uh, conversation and direction mm-hmm. and listening. God, I want to know what breaks your yes. heart. God, I want to know what you have for today. God, I don't want to know what you want, everything you want me to know. I need to know you. Mm-hmm. I want to know how you see me. I want to know how you see this. Mm. I just, I want to, I want to have that intimacy with you. And that's through prayer. Yes. And I love how you're broadening even the scope of that, because so often it becomes about this thing, you know, but it really is about being with God and in that being with him and abiding with him and turning toward him in these everyday moments in the big things, you know, he wants to keep talking to us about them. Mm -hmm. And again, back to this, um, you know, I'm going to have to get off this podcast and go, go check in with God on this. But it's the sustaining prayer, the thing mm-hmm. where we keep going, where are we with this, God? This seems stuck. What is your heart for this? And I imagine so much of that is happening with you all as you're connected with individual lives, individual stories, all of these things, the sustaining prayer. Our prayer coordinator, Ruth, I love how she frames it. She's like, you know, we gaze on on him and we just glance on what the enemy is doing. And mm-hmm. that has become something I just really like, where am I mostly gazing? Lord, what do you have to say regarding this? Yes, we see what the enemy's doing, but that's important intel to take to the one who knows mm-hmm. what's next. So um, I think I, I'm in step with you on the heart of prayer. And what I'd like to close our time with is how should we pray, Melissa? Can you give us two prayer points that would help us pray for these injustices in and specifically oppressed women and children, you know, all around the world? They're faced with um, so many of the things that we're talking about. Would you 
you know, give us maybe two practical ways how to pray. And then would you lead us in those that prayer? And then we'll close out for today. Yeah, I, I am. I'm not a, a very practical. Here's a short answer person, if you didn't notice. <laughs> so I've got a preference mm-hmm. with what the Lord taught me on. I took a, a sabbatical last year and mm-hmm. you had touched on this about how it's not just Lord, you know, what about this? Um, and that was really something he showed me in my approach to in re- being in relationship with him and being in prayer. And somewhere along these last 13 years um, doing this work, what was once a relationship out of love with him really did start to become, hey, Lord, what about this? And what he unpacked for me on my sabbatical was it became transactional. Mm. And that's the very thing we stand against because the essence of prostitution is people become transactional in the most mm. what should be intimate ways. And it had crept into my walk with God that it it did come around, but Lord, what can you do with this? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? Instead of Lord, I just want to see you. I want to gaze into your eyes. I want to be close Mm. to you. Um, Mm. So I I do believe there are, there are times when we bring issues before him, but never at the cost of relationship with him and remembering Mm -hmm. that because otherwise the issue is the eyes on the enemy. Yeah. And, and, this, I mean, this is the the Jesus walking on water picture, isn't it? It's, mm. you know, we, I, part of my sabbatical, I was in Israel and I just kept asking, like, why did Jesus walk on water? Mm. Like we were at the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so the Dead Sea, you legitimately are buoyant. And I was there yes. and I was like, I, I feel like it could have been easier to walk on this water. Like that was the, like, mm. I'm just talking to him going, I, I, it doesn't make sense. This would have been much easier. Other people could yeah. have done it easier. We would have followed suit because you're legit yeah. buoyant in that water. Yeah. And then we go to the Sea of Galilee. I'm like, why? But what I never understood was what large bodies of water meant to the Hebrews. Because what it means to us is usually vacation, like paradise, and yeah. a place of peace. And that is actually not what it meant to them. So when I understood their lens, I was like, oh, this means so much more than I ever thought yeah. it meant. Because he could have flown, like he could have defied yeah. the laws of gravity or nature any way he chose. Mm-hmm. And he chose to model walking on water in front of them and to call Peter out and, uh, Truthfully, the, the the Hebrews looked at these large bodies of water as a threat and chaos of darkness. And that was their worldview around it. I mean, it was destroying people's boats and livelihoods. And in the beginning, it, w- it was darkness in the in the sea. And, and so they did not have the same relationship to large bodies of water that we do. And so I realized like, oh, you put chaos under the authority of your feet mm. and you taught Peter in that rabbinical way, if, if the rabbi does it, I need to do it too. Lord, call me out and I can. And he does. And that glance that we see, you know, he, he looks at the storm and he does it in the middle of a storm. And so it's like, not when it's peaceful, not, it, it is the symbolism of chaos for the Israelites. And that is not fun for them. And to be called into the very thing that represents darkness to put it under your feet. That mm. is how we pray. Yeah, that is is not just how we pray. It's how we live, because we don't just say what the rabbi said. We do what the rabbi does. Mm -hmm. Peter didn't just say, oh, because the rabbi can walk on water, meaning walk on chaos and walk above it. I can, too. He did it. He did what the rabbi did because everything he does, he wants us to be able to do. That is what a good rabbi does. And so we pray it and live it. And we live mm-hmm. from the lens of heaven. We live from a, an eternal perspective 
on the things. I was talking to a, a, a really good friend and a coworker this morning, and we were talking about the things that felt so significant to us and important at age 13. And we look at it now. And I said, I want to have that, that lens from eternity. Yes. Because the things that we thought were so important then, we see now. And, and yes, lives are incredibly invaluable to God. And we bring mm-hmm. it before him. But we do so from the place of victory, from the yeah. place of walking on chaos, not chaos surrounding us and sinking us into it. So we mm. pray from that place. I'm thinking of that scripture, soon the God of peace will crush Satan mm. under your feet. Come and on. It just, <laughs> you know, so what it what it feels like is he's saying, don't forget when this is so thick and inky black. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Yes. I believe it's in Romans, um, but oh, it sounds it's like Jesus, <laughs> right? It, it 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 it's what's what flowing up from my heart yeah. for just this biblical context of what you're saying. You brought this yeah. imagery of Peter doing it and this chaos under his feet, and then just saying, actually, this is true in these moments such as that you are often living in with Mm -hmm. your team, with those that are engaging and anyone who's listening, whether, however that these injustices are showing up in your life, it may be even your own unfreed up places in your, in your own life. Um, I think this is beautiful and really is a picture of Shalom, right? Like where God is restoring all things back to him. And so what I hear you saying is the way that we pray is that we walk mm-hmm. from a place of all of the darkness is under our feet because of what Jesus did. So Amen. would you pray that yeah. over all that are listening and, uh, you know, over Awaken, over mm-hmm. Freedom Challenge, over what God is doing in the world as mm-hmm. it has to do with justice? That would be so wonderful, Melissa. Oh, Father, we know where you are. We know that you are in heaven. We know that you are holy but we also know that you are good and we know that you are our father. And so Lord, we bring before you everything. We want to, we want to surrender all the things that are, that are weighty to us. We want to surrender all of the things of injustice Hmm. because we know you care more about them than we do. We know that you are actually the God of full restoration beyond the things that we could think or imagine is where you want to live, where you want to draw us into. So God, we just, we submit it to you. We submit our mm. burdens. We submit our worries. We submit our heartaches. God, we submit our sin. We just ask for your repentance. We ask for your forgiveness. We thank you. God, for those that have hurt us and caused pain, we want to release love and blessing mm. on their mm. lives. God, even to those that that we work with, and this can sometimes be the hardest thing when we see the violations of love that have taken mm. place upon their bodies. God, we still want to release love to the violators. Mm-hmm. We want to release your forgiveness to see full restoration mm-hmm. communities on earth. God, teach us how to just plan for your wedding. Teach us how to just prepare the bride for its groom. Teach us how to get as many people as possible at that wedding. God, we just want to submit to you all of it. Mm-hmm. And we just want to be guided by your love. Because it is your love that leads all of us into repentance. It is kindness. It is your love that never fails. 
Help us to understand that from a place of eternity. Help us to have the lens of be remembering the things that we thought were so significant at 13 and where that is now for us, that that would be the way we view it from eternity. So help us to be positioned there now. Hmm. We declare that you have made that available to us, that you've positioned us there to have the mind of Christ, to see all things through as we come to you in prayer. Hmm. We ask that you bless everybody listening. We ask that you you increase their, their anointings mightily to be effective for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. Thank you, Melissa. What a joy to start my morning with you. I feel like I got a nice vitamin C shot, and I've got some things to go sit with the Lord about. I appreciate how you just brought us scripture, your personal experience, and really just broaden our perspective on what it looks like to do justice. Thank you for showing up. Oh, thank you so much. This is absolutely one of my favorite conversations to to talk about and mm. just to to dig into. And it certainly prompted me to to go deeper into these scriptures and to watch the Lord unpack them. And I just find so mm. much joy in that. I love mm-hmm. it. Thank you so much for this uh, opportunity. And everyone listening, if you want to come to the Tahoe Regional Challenge, July 8th, with Awaken and Freedom Challenge. It's not too late. You can sign up. We'd love to see you out there on those trails. We're going to be taking time and immersing ourselves in what it really looks like, feels like to do justice and to do it together. So until next time, let's do good by helping enslaved women and children do more than you ever thought physically possible and do it together by connecting with other women who have a heart for a hurting world. Blessings, Freedom Sisters. Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. If you liked what you heard, join the fight to set women and children on a pathway to freedom across the globe. We are a proud ministry of Operation Mobilization USA and encourage you to learn more at thefreedomchallenge.com and omusa.org for how you can get involved. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram at the FCUSA, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to let us know what you think. We'll see you next time.